When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Burning Daylight, the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well, welcome back, Daylight Burners. Hope you all had a good weekend. Uh, recording this Sunday, October 29th. Um, I guess it's my birthday tomorrow, so by the time you're hearing this, um, I'll be beating my kids or something. Uh, no, I'm not beating my kids. Um, be homeschooling my children, wishing I could beat them at times. Um, but it's what happens when you turn 38, I think. Um, well, for me, anyways. Um, so <clears throat> I've been thinking on this, uh, there's news, ag, ag news update that I want to do. And I wanted to have a catchy name because, you know, I like catchy names. And, but I also, I also wanted to do uh, an episode fairly regularly. Um, you know, once a week, once every other week, something along those lines to, uh, highlight what's going on in the ag world. And it's a way to, uh, educate myself and hopefully educate you all a little bit. And because, you know, between 11 billion stories about uh, Israel and Hamas and everything pertaining to that, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that folks us here in flyover country gets uh, kicked to the wayside. So anyways, I'm going to, I think I found my <clears throat> my catchy term, and I'm just gonna call it the fucking farm report, uh, because I don't, I'm trying to style it a little bit after uh, you know the 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 farm news updates that you you'd hear on on the radio. Uh, I assume they, I guess they probably still do them. I just I don't listen to the radio anymore. Um, but also a little bit of burning daylight flair to it, so. Why don't we go ahead and get into it? Um, one of the let me find that that article because there's some there's some interesting 
stuff like um kind of overall let me find this article and we'll 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 dive into it but it's oh that's right it was um uh, here we go this is from and i got a shout out to uh jen hill and reagan o'donnell for uh and Kate Bowen as well. She sends me some some articles, but uh, they both hooked me up with uh, with a couple different uh, ag news sources. So this is from uh, Morning Ag Clips, and uh, farm groups applaud seven new co sponsors for the the bi- bipartisan off act. Um. Uh, today, farm groups, including Farm Action Fund, American Grass-Fed Association, Competitive Markets Action, Independent Cattlemen of Wyoming, and RCAF USA applauded seven members of Congress for their new co-sponsorship of H.R. 1249, uh, Senate Bill uh, 557. Uh, the Bipartisan Opportunities for Fairness in Farming, or the OFF Act, which would restore accountability trans- and transparency to agricultural checkoff programs. And um, really is kind of a, a lot of different people in here. So we'll see where this goes, but it's introduced by House Representatives Nancy Mace. She is from a Republican from South Carolina. We covered her the other day. She was one of the one of the the representatives that was uh questioning the witnesses in the the UFO hearing the other day. Um, Dinah Titus, or Dina Titus, uh, she is a Democrat from Las Vegas, uh, Nevada District 1, uh, and in the Senate by Senators Mike Lee of Utah and Cory Booker of New Jersey, a Republican and Democrat. Obviously, states should give it away, but Mike Lee is a pretty... uh, in my books, one of the few pretty solid um, members of Congress, uh, I'd put him and him and Rand Paul. Uh, I think Rand Paul's better than than Mike Lee on on uh, on a few things, but they line up pretty uh, pretty eye to eye. Um, Cory Booker is a joke. Um, I don't know anything about Dina Titus, uh, Nancy Mace. Uh, she's pretty new to the politics game, um, or at least to to federal politics. So uh, I don't, I haven't, I haven't really made up uh, my mind on her. Um, she's kind of, she kind of seems like a Bobert with uh, less crazy, maybe, but kind of in that same wing. I think she's kind of a kind of a MAGA diehard, maybe. I'm not for sure. Like I said, I, I don't know. I haven't made up my mind on her. But she has been, like, with this, she's kind of got her hands in a, in a bunch of stuff. So maybe maybe one to look at. But uh, the newest co-sponsors include Ed Markey, uh, Senator Ed Markey from Democrat Massachusetts, and Jerry Nadler, um, Democrat from New York, Oversight and Accountability Ranking Member Jamie Raskin. Uh, so 
Well, you have Mike Lee, who's pretty good. Uh, Nancy Mace might be pretty okay. Um, I don't know about Dina Titus, but she's from Vegas, so she probably sucks. Um, Cory Booker sucks. Ed Markey sucks. Gerald Nadler sucks. Uh, Jamie Raskin, Democrat from Maryland, sucks. Congressional Progressive Caucus Chair Pramila, uh, Pramila Jayapal, Democrat from Washington, sucks. And Representatives Nanette Diaz-Berrigan, Democrat from California, I'm going to preemptively say she sucks. Uh, Jared Huffman, Democrat from California, also just through association with Democrats and California, you probably suck. And Eleanor Holmes Norton, a Democrat from D.C., uh, she probably sucks. Um, it's funny how they can co-sponsor a bill, but they can't vote. Uh, like, D.C. has a, has a non-voting member of Congress. Uh, British Virgin Islands has a non-voting member of Congress. I think Puerto Rico, same way. Um, <laughs> but they, they sponsor the legislation. Um, optics, I guess. Um, in total, the Off Act has n now has more bipartisan support than any previous Congress, with fifteen co-sponsors in the House and six in the Senate. So this was written October twenty-sixth. Um, well, there there's going to be plenty of plenty of chances for for uh, more bipartisan stuff. We got a lot of war ahead of us, but. Um, so this is a bill that would, uh, so it pertains to like the pork checkoff, the beef, beef checkoff, all, all these checkoff programs that, uh, producers are forced to pay into. It's a tax that is then pooled together and then used for, uh, research and education of their product. And... A lot of people think that it has been uh, corrupted over the years. I would tend to agree. In the in the cattle business, uh, in particular, the, the NCBA stands uh, stands the most accused of being uh, corrupt and essentially using checkoff funds to pad their own pockets and. Uh, I I don't know the ins and outs of of that particular case, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, yeah there was a lot of shady shit that went on, uh, and still goes on with all that. So this would be a bill that that would um, let's see. So this is Marty Irby, President of Competitive Markets Action and Board Secretary at Organization for Competitive Markets. Um, USDA scandal-ridden checkoff programs have long been corrupted by the swamp, and it's time for Congress to take action and help save the last remaining independent family farms in America. Um, Wyoming independent cattlemen have long asked for reform of the current checkoff program which has no accountability to those producers who are forced to pay the checkoffs at Judy Col uh, McCullough, 
director and secretary of independent cattlemen of Wyoming. Um, Bill Bullard, um, one-time guest of the Vernon Daylight podcast. Ranchers deserve Congress's help in bringing transparency and accountability to these government-mandated programs that have extracted wealth from their farms and ranches and placed it in the hands of lobbying organizations that continually fight against their interests. So that's a good, um, a good defense of this bill, or uh, you know, a good statement in support uh, of this bill. <clears throat> One of the big issues is uh, with NCBA in particular, who is the biggest um, recipient of checkoff funding. Um, I forget how much what the percentage of it is, but it's a uh, it's a high percentage. And then CBA used to be the National Cattlemen's Association, and then there was the there was like a beef association. And in the nineties, I believe they merged and created the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And they did that. Um, under the guise to pull pull their their resources and their political uh their political um you know ammunition and and sway to to be able to more effectively lobby congress and and uh and help the industry and in, in uh all in all <clears throat> in the beef checkoff program you can only use the 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 funds to promote beef, not cattle, but the the product beef. So it's uh, and then by by the com- combination of or the the merging of these two trade associations and and creating this one group, uh, accusations are that this group is heavily in bed with the uh, the packing industry because well they are they've got a lot of they've got a lot of packing interests within their their association and therefore the 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 packers have greater say over the checkoff funds which is probably true and uh, <laughs> a lot of times they uh they implement these they help get these these regulations and laws passed that uh that benefit the packer not necessarily the the rancher the the feedlot guy uh and a lot of times in fact work against them so that's that's uh that's the accusation being made i tend to i tend to agree with it for the most part uh not having checked into it a ton uh particularly on on the checkoff side of things but i i would tend to i would tend to agree with bill bullard on that uh what what the ins and out of this off act are, I don't know. Um, but the fact that a bunch of people who really suck on just about everything are, are lining up behind it gives me a lot of pause. Um, sometimes no solutions better than a bad solution. You know, uh, sometimes no deal is better than a bad deal. And, um, yeah, with guys like Cory Booker and Ed Markey and Jerry Nadler, um it seems seems like maybe there's uh, there's more to this than meets the eye and uh and Mike Lee's is on board but 
maybe he's uh maybe he is uh miss uh maybe he's in the wrong on this one maybe he's been misled who knows um mike lee's a really sharp guy so um like i said i, w- I won't write it off because mike lee's on it and and I, I i generally tend to trust him on on these these type of deals but there's a lot of shitty people on the other end so we'll uh we'll wait and see but it's uh an interesting interesting bill we'll see if it goes anywhere um i thought the you know the u.s prime act that uh thomas massey was pushing was was a really good bill which would allow state inspected uh processing facilities to be able to sell across state lines without having to have a, a federal inspector and uh Made a lot of sense, and of course it went nowhere. So this off act, I mean, fifteen co-sponsors, it might actually go somewhere. Um, but there was only there was only one uh, Republican in the House, and that's got to pass the House at some point. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, in other news, um, officials say water cuts from these states will protect the Colorado River. Those states being California, Arizona, and Nevada. Um, this is an interesting one. So federal officials said Wednesday that conditions had have improved on the Colorado River to the point that a plan by California, Arizona, and uh, Nevada to voluntary, voluntarily reduce water use, use should help keep the river basin on stable footing for the next few years. Um, well, it's in better conditions because we got a a lot of moisture over the past uh last winter and, and this summer as well. Um but there was a big fight over this and uh, the government was about to to step uh, the federal government was about to step in and enforce some sort of compact but um U.S. Department of the Interior said in a statement that the risk of reaching critically low water elevations at Lake Powell and Lake Mead, the river's two key reservoirs, have gone down substantially. So, um, <clears throat> probably be a little bit before we find any more bodies at Lake uh, um, on, in Lake Mead because water levels gone up quite a bit. Um, we have staved off the immediately immediate possibility of the system's reservoirs from falling to critically low elevations that would threaten water deliveries and power production. Deputy Secretary Tommy Boudreau said in the statement. Well, Tommy Boudreau, you didn't do shit. He watched the snow fall and the the water the the snow melt and run off and fill up the lake. You didn't do shit. Um River serves seven western states, uh, Native American tribes in two states in Mexico, supports a multi-billion dollar farm industry in the west, and generates hydropower across the region. Years of overuse by farms and cities and the effects of drought worsened by climate change has meant that much less water flows through the river today than in previous decades. Um, that part, I'm sure, is 100% true, and whether it's climate change or not, or the fact that you're sucking the water table dry and, uh, and I, I don't know, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of factors to it. And, uh, but it, it's, it's been bad. And the, the biggest, 
the biggest issue has been drought, which is something you really can't control. Um, but the announcement displays how much of th- things have changed since summer 2022 when the U.S. Bureau, Bureau of Reclamation uh, Commissioner Camille Towton, Towton, Tuton, said drastic cuts would be needed to stave off a crisis in the river. States failed to re- reach a consensus on cuts, and the federal government did not end up enforcing any. So they got they got really up in arms. They were fighting over who was going to have to make cuts, and then they couldn't come to any sort of deal, and then the feds didn't step in anyways. And then it snowed and rained a whole bunch, and now everything's like, oh, hey, we're, we're okay again. And um, so it was almost like it was a bunch of hype to get people worried for no real good reason. Just like, hey, at some point... It will rain. Um, in the meantime, like you should like that there was there definitely probably needed to be some cuts. Um but like I said, it it eventually does rain and then it did. It snowed and now we're in we're in pretty good shape for now. I don't know uh I don't know long term. Uh, probably probably still on the low end, but hey, we've been in a drought, so We'll see. Uh, it's, they're calling for another wet winter this year, so I'm uh, I'm wearing my flip flops as long as I can because uh, I was I was stuck in muck boots a lot last winter, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dry these toes out as much as I can before I have to be stuck in muck boots again. So, uh, earlier this year, the Biden administration released two options that would have forced cuts on Arizona, California, and Nevada either proportionally or based on existing water priority system, which most benefits California. Threat of those two options finally forced the three states to reach their own voluntary plan for how to reduce their use of the river's water. In May, they proposed to help shore up water levels by conserving at least an additional 3 million acre-feet of water through the end of 2026 in exchange for $1.2 billion in federal money. Um... And that's something. It's like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna stop sucking this river completely dry, but only through the end of 2026, and only if you pay us a shitload of money. Um, though the federal government needs to finish the regular its regulatory process, Wednesday's announcement indicates it is poised to officially accept the plan. Uh, so. I guess they're not, they're not out of the woods yet, but um, step in the right right direction, I, I suppose. Um, over on on the dairy side of things, um, the IDFA president tells the World Dairy Summit that the dairy industry is committed to inclusivity. Uh, Michael Dykes, the president, and, and all right. Now, if you're going to be inclusive, can can you do you have to change your name from Dykes because you're gonna you're gonna offend you know the whole L spectrum of the LGBT you're gonna the whole L category you're 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 pissing them off with with your last name and and I know it's not something that like you chose I don't think 
So I guess I say I don't know that, but I assume you didn't choose that, but uh honestly though, it's it's really it's really problematic, just your name. So probably change that. He's the president and CEO of the International Dairy Foods Association. Uh, he reinforced the dairy industry's commitment to creating an inclusive culture that fosters professional de- development and empowerment for all people throughout their careers today at the 2023 IDF World Summit. Um, Dag's joining a panel bo- focused on diverse workforces of uh, mostly Guatemalan men, uh, highlighted IDFA people strategy programs that engage and support leaders at all levels in the dairy industry who are working to create a world-class, world-class places of employment across a variety of manufacturing and operational settings. Um, the future of the dairy industry and our ability to remain globally competitive depends on the developing of the workforce of the future, cultivating the next generation of leaders and empowering and supporting diversity in leadership roles. Meaning you're eventually going to have to hire some of them Hondurans to be managers so they can talk to these other lower paid Hondurans for you and you don't actually have to interact. Um, I sound a little bitter on that, but I, I've, I've been around the dairy, dairy world a little bit. And, uh, I mean, they're diverse for sure. Like I said, there's Mexicans and Hondurans and Guatemalans. And, um, I assume most of them have papers, um, whether they're, those people with you know uh belong to those papers or those papers belong to that person uh legally uh, is a different story um and it's uh it's one of those deals where like i mean somebody's got to milk the cows somebody's got to do that shit and uh, you're not seeing a whole bunch of uh hard-working blue-collar white and black and even brown Americans uh, lining up to do those jobs. So they import a bunch of South American, Central American and Mexican labor for cheap and dairy industry keeps chugging along. Kind of like the the, the meat packing industry. Kind of like uh, just about every other industry you can think of. It's um, it, it's really kind of it's kind of crazy. Like the just the the uh, the Native American, not not like Indian Native American, but <laughs> the your, your average American in the workforce just does not want these. Uh, like they don't want to go work in a dairy. They don't want to go work in a packing plant, and um but there's a lot of poor immigrants that that'll come over and do it. Um, yeah, I don't know whether this is just more diversity and inclusion nonsense that gives everybody, uh, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling inside or whatever. So good, good for you, Derry. Um, Secretary Tom Vilsack says the farm bill negotiations are not forward-looking enough. 
Lawmakers need to do more to encourage farmers to adopt climate-smart production practices and access new technology, the head of the USDA said. Uh, Farm bill negotiations would need to be more forward-looking if the U.S. wants to encourage farmers to take action on climate and transition to new technologies, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said. Discussions are too focused on fixing what didn't work several years ago, Vilsack said during a conversation at the World Dairy Summit in Chicago. So, um, there we go again. Uh, he, I wonder if he, uh, if he was on the panel with Mr. Dykes. Uh, noting that negotiations currently center around issues such as reference prices and disaster programs. I think the challenge we have with the Farm Bill conversation today is it's sort of looking back, the head of the USDA said. Federal policy should instead prioritize making climate-smart technology cheaper and more readily available to farmers. What does that mean? Well, we'll see. Climate funding remains one of the largest points of contention for the 2023 Farm Bill as lawmakers fight over what to do with an extra $20 billion in conservation money from the Inflation Reduction Act. The both sides hope to roll in the extra money hope, uh, into the overall Farm Bill funding pot for future years. Democrats want to keep the money tied to climate initiatives while Republicans want it used for other programs. The de- debate over climate funding comes as dysfunction on Capitol Hill bogs down the progress on farming's largest spending package. So, uh, well, this was wrote on the 17th, so we've got a speaker now, uh, but they still got to pass something to fund the government past, uh, I think they got three weeks to do it, something like that. They wasted three weeks uh, electing a new speaker who I don't know much about. I don't think many people do. He kind of came out of nowhere, so I'll do some more research. We'll probably talk about him on uh, Fence Post Politics. But, um, yeah, so now they got... It was a six-week spending bill that they had had a stopgap deal that got uh, McCarthy fired. And so now three weeks electing a new speaker. Now they've got three weeks to push something through. Um, and then they can move on to the farm bill, maybe. Uh, farm bill, 2018 farm bill expired on September 30th. And farmers are warily bracing for unprecedented disruptions that would begin next year. Um, Some in the industry worry that partisan infighting raises prospects that lawmakers will shy away from making any bold bold proposals that could get pushback. Uh, Vilsack hopes a future farm bill will consider the work done by the USDA and expand opportunities that support a transition into more renewable production practices. The USDA has made $3 billion available for farmers to voluntarily participate in conservation efforts, and the program has become oversubscribed for a, after a record number of producers applied for funding in 2023. Um, not this farm bill, but the next farm bill could very well be the, the 
bill in which you incorporate the programs and policies that make the technology more readily available. Um, so $20 billion is, uh, you know, is a lot. Um, you know, even, even in the, the, the grand scheme of, of everything like they're, uh, like that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, I don't know how I honestly, I don't know how big the farm bill is, but it's, uh, I I would say easily in the hundreds of billions of dollars. <coughs> so, but even so 20 billion for climate funding is, uh, that's a lot. Um, Will, will we ever know what it gets used for? Ah, who knows? Um, it'll, I'm sure it'll be some program that keeps uh, poor farmers under their thumb uh, for generations to come. So, hate to be pessimistic on that. It just that's uh, kind of how, kind of how things go, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it just kind of is what it is, I guess. Um, there was, oh, this is an interesting one too. So, damn it, that was not what I wanted. All right, here we are. Heading over to Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas orders Syngenta to sell farmland over ties to China. Uh, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave the global seed company two years to divest its property in Craighead County before the state can take legal action. Um, uh, Syngenta AG is facing demands from Arkansas to sell its farmland in in the state over national security concerns regarding the seed and pesticide pesticide developers' alleged ties to China. So this is kind of a this is kind of a recurring uh, theme in in rural states is that a lot of companies with ties to China are buying up a bunch of farm ground, and and now there's some some states that are kind of pushing back. So Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders said Tuesday that one of the world's largest agribusinesses must give up its land holdings in Arkansas in the next two years or face legal actions. Syngenta, owned by a Chinese state-owned enterprise, Kim China, has about 168, 160 acres in the state through its subsidiary, Northrop uh, King Seed Company, Valued at one point one two million, so not a lot of land. Um, you know, urban people will think you know one hundred sixty acres is. Uh, I mean, that's that's so much freaking land. But I mean, if you're farming, it's it's really not. Um, the announcement comes as state and federal lawmakers increasingly target Chinese ownership of U.S. farmland. The Senate this summer approved provisions banning foreign adversaries from purchasing farmland. A part of its massive, massive annual defense bill, though it still needs sign off from the House. Um, 
Close to half the states have laws in the books that restrict foreign ownership of U.S. farmland, with 11 enacting legislation within the past year. Micah Brown, a staff attorney at the University of Arkansas's National Agricultural Law Center. Although foreign ownership laws have been on the books in some cases since the 1700s, this is the first time a state has actually taken action. Uh, I said Arkansas is really the first first to enforce their foreign ownership law. Syngenta's farmland in northeast Arkansas is used mostly for seed research. At a press conference in Little Rock, Sanders alleged that Chinese state-owned enterprises filter their findings back to their homeland, stealing American research and telling our enemies how to target American farms. Uh, Arkansas Attorney General uh, Tim Griffin issued a letter on Tuesday to Syngenta Seeds LLC and its subsidiary, Northrop King Seed Co., saying that this land is not divested in the next two years, we shall commence an action in the circuit court, uh, which could lead to judicial foreclosure of the property. Syngenta is also facing a $280,000 civil penalty, or 25% of the fair market value of the property, for for failure to report foreign ownership under state law in a timely manner. Uh, Syngenta declined to immediately comment on the matter, company spokesperson told Reuters that it was disappointed and called the decision a short-sighted action that will hurt Arkansas farmers. Uh, and then it later says uh, approximately 40 million acres of U.S. ag land were owned by foreign entities as of December 31st, 2021, with China making up less than 1% of the total. Uh, about 3.1% of all privately held Farmland is foreign-owned. So not a lot, but still probably too much. Um, this one, I'm not real for sure how how I feel about it. Uh, I, I don't think that it's okay for the Chinese government to own a bunch of land here in the United States. There, that that makes no sense to me. Uh, also, I don't like the, the state government forcing uh, a company like it's kind of like where they're they they're dissolving the the Trump enterprise in in New York because he uh, allegedly exaggerated his the uh, value of his properties. And you're like, ah, I mean, I don't I don't like the the fact that the government can just come down and say, like, you have to do this now. Like, I, I don't like that. I, I don't mind it quite so much when it's, when they're telling it to a foreign government. So, I mean, that makes it a little bit better, but either way, I'm not, a, I'm not real cool with the, the government, whether it be, you know, federal, state, or local, uh, just pushing businesses around like ah you have to do this now you you got to do this you got to do this like it's it's kind of a pain in the ass and I, I don't like it i don't like it i'm on record saying I, i'm not a fan so um but also china's pretty shady they they probably are stealing a whole bunch of secrets but i i and that's gonna happen um but i'm kind of okay with them not being allowed to own farmland in Arkansas like that that part doesn't bother me too much so 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens on that. There's, um, I think Missouri did something similar, and uh, there, there's probably a bunch of them in the western states that are, if they don't have these type of laws, they're probably coming down the pipe. So we'll see. We'll see what what happens with this. It'll be be interesting. Um, and then uh, let's go last. Go the last one for today. Um, this is kind of an interesting one. It's uh, Proposition 1 in the state of Texas. And, uh, God damn it. If I could run my damn screen, that, that, would, that would be helpful. But um, so there's the Texas Agriculture Commissioner. Um, and so this is a statement from him it says, I urge Texans to exercise their right to vote and weigh in on constitutional amendments during the upcoming election. You can head to the polls on election day, November 7th, to cast your ballot, uh, early voting, whatever, uh, Texans need to know that there are several critical constitutional amendments on the ballot this fall that will have a significant impact on our Texas agriculture industry. Many of the proposed amendments would generate funds to support water infrastructure, rural broadband, and property tax relief. Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Act, is on the impending ballot and requires your immediate attention. Agricultural, agriculture is crucial to the Texas economy and has shaped the culture of our great state. Still, it is under threat from cities and municipalities that prioritize tax revenues over Texas uh, food security needs. Proposition 1 would protect the right to farm and ranch in our Constitution, yet still allow for justifiable regulations that that protect health and safety, prevent danger to animal health or crop production, and conserve our natural resources. I highly encourage all Texans to vote yes on Proposition 1. And then... So this is from Ballotopedia. Actual... um, Ballot title as follows, the Constitutional Amendment Protecting the Right to Engage in Farming, Ranching, Timber Production, Horticulture, and Wildlife Management. Uh, Let's have the full text. Um, I thought I found it. Hmm. All right, so the measure would, would add... A new section is to Article 1 of the state constitution. Um, People have the right to engage in generally accepted farm, ranch, timber production, horticulture, wildlife management practices on real property they own or lease. This section does not uh, affect the authority of the legislature to, by general law, the regulation of generally accepted farm, and so um, and then also the section does not affect the authority of the legislature to authorize by general law or the use or acquisition of property for public use, including the development of natural resources of this state. I don't know exactly what this means. It sounds it sounds nice, the right to uh, to farm uh, amendment. I, I don't I don't really know what that means. Um you know they i guess they they can't disallow you from farming or you know timber production or ranching on your property 
unless they pass a law that says you can't do something like this, you know, and it's, or, or they could, you know, seize your property by eminent domain if they wanted to as well. So I, I don't know what exactly this does. Um, it seems kind of like a, it seems like a feel good thing, but like doesn't really accomplish much. I don't know. Um, I, I guess it's better to have something like that in the constitution than not. Maybe. Um, but who knows? Uh, it is Texas. Uh, they'll probably, they'll probably vote for it. Um, I don't know. So there was, uh, it's got support from the commissioner of agriculture, South Texans property rights association, Texans for fiscal responsibility, Texas cattle feeders, Texas Farm Bureau, Texas Forestry Association, Landowners Council, Nursery and Landscape Association, Poultry Federation, Realtors Seed Trade Association, Sheep and Goat Raisers Association, the Wildlife Association, and Travis County Farm Bureau. Um, Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Boning says Prop 1 isn't about protecting the past about ensuring Texans access to safe and affordable food in the future. The amendment protects all farmers and and ranchers, large and small. Only responsible, normal, day-to-day agricultural practices are protected, not practices employed by bad actors. So, <clears throat> how does it protect, though? That's, that's the part that I don't... I'm not quite sure on. Uh, Representatives Dwayne Burns, uh, Dustin Burroughs, Mary Gonzalez, Trent Ashby, and Diego Bernal. So we got two Democrats and three Republicans there. Um, Farmers and ranchers who engage in production agriculture within municipal boundaries are being subject to broad over-regulation by municipal ordinances that prohibit and greatly restrict normal practices of agricultural operations such as the raising and keeping the livestock, blah, 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 blah. Uh, HJR-126 seeks to address this issue and empower landowners in the state by constitutionally protecting the right to engage in certain generally accepted agricultural practices on their own property. Okay, so that that explains it a little bit better. Um, so that they can't have like an HOA or or the you know the city say like you can't have chickens here. If you own it, you have a right to to do it. So um, all right, sounds good. Um, good move, Texas. I guess now you got to vote for it. So that that's twenty twenty three vote. Huh? Weird. Wonder why that that is. What's uh what's what's the decision behind uh an off year election like that? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But anyways, I uh, hope you learned something today. I did. There was a there was where was the bug story? There was Oh yeah. Hold on. We're not done yet. We got more to talk about. Um, 
so went down a rabbit hole the other day. Tyson Foods partners with insect protein startup to develop uh, ingredient facility. So the meat giant will work with Protix to construct a plant dedicated to insect protein uh, items in the U.S. for use in pet food, aquaculture, and livestock production. So there was an article I read that uh, they were saying like plant-based diets are not really the problem. It's the fact that they're they're for some reason considered feminine and guys are not gravitating gravitate gravitating towards a vegan diet because it just it's it's considered feminine for some reason and I don't I don't know why I, they they just couldn't figure it out and so what I think is happening is while they're still trying to uh to force this like bug deal down us like they're 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 still heavily invested in that but they're they're meeting a lot of pushback from people actually wanting to eat bugs so now they're like hey let's feed them to animals instead of plants i guess um so tyson foods announced a strategic investment with insect protein startup protix to boost the presence of in- insect ingredients utilized in the food system. Uh, the plant says it uh, plans to... Uh, the meat giant said it plans to construct uh, an ingredient facility in the U.S. with Protix that will upcycle food man- manufacturing byproducts into high-quality insects, pro- insect proteins and lipids for use in pet foods, aquaculture, and livestock production. Um, insect protein has grown in prominence in recent years with companies uh, debuting cricket-based snacks and powders because producing the niche protein uses less water and land than livestock than livestock. Advocates have pitched it as a sustainable alternative to traditional meat like beef and pork. Cricket ingredient brand Exo said crickets are 20 times more efficient to grow than cattle. The insect life cycle provides the opportunity for full circularity within our value chain, strengthening our commitment to building a more sustainable food system for the future, John R. Tyson, the meat giant's CFO, said in a statement. Global insect protein is expected to increase by a compound annual growth of 27.4% by 2028. So, wow. Over, uh... Oh, over a quarter grown by by more than a quarter in five years. That's uh, huh. That's optimistic. Uh, Keys Arts, CEO of the Netherlands-based Protix, said the agreement will add the insect protein maker supply chain by using Tyson's meat pro- uh, production byproducts as feed for its insects. Oh, okay. So they're they're going to like all that that feed that's still in the rumen. They're going to just feed that to crickets instead. And then they're going to grind those crickets up and uh make a nice little goo for us all to eat. Eat your bug goo, kids. It's good for you. 
Mmm, this one's beef flavored. Uh, Tyson's pursuit of the space is centered on ingredients for food production aimed to feed animals in the supply chain rather than insect-based products for human consumption. Other livestock producers have, em have embraced the space, including Cargill, which partnered with Innovi Innova Feed in 20... Innova Feed. Innova Feed, that's probably what it is, in 2022 to develop sustainable fertilizer and animal feed made from insects. All right, well... If you remember back to the, the mad cow scare, some of you younger folks that listen to this show may not be old enough to remember when when that was a huge deal. Well, mad cow disease, or BSE, um, if I recall correctly, it all came about from feeding animal products back to the same animals that they came, like the same species of animal that they came from. So they took the the brain and the the nervous, you know, the the spinal spinal cord and everything from and they uh, from uh, steers that they were butchering and they ground that up into some sort of protein meal, which was then fed to to cattle and feedlots and stuff, and that led to uh, bovine spongiform encephalopathy. That that may be a hundred percent bullshit, but I think I think that's that's a relatively good cliff books uh, or cliff notes explanation of it. Uh, feel free to fact check me on that. Uh, Cause I'm not, I'm not married to that, that premise, but that if, if I remember right, that's kind of seems to me, that's how it, how it came about. That being said, cattle are herbivores. They eat plants. That's what they do. They're very good at converting all sorts of different plants into to energy that they can use and and thrive on. Uh, incredibly efficient creatures, the the cow. What's that going to do when you start feeding them bugs? Like what what problems are going to come of that? Because cattle don't just go around and eat bugs on uh, you know on their own, not intentionally, anyways. Like there's a uh, you know, you'll hear people like they'll talk about how cattle don't eat corn in the wild, but like cattle breaks through a cow's gonna break through a fence and uh and get to that corn if she if she can. Like that that that's happened plenty of times. Like you give a you give a cow a chance to to eat some corn, she's going to. Um and you don't you don't have to try real hard to make her. I mean she they like corn. They'll they'll eat it. I've never seen I've never seen a bovine in my career ever go out of its way to eat a bug of any sort. Uh, I've seen I've seen a heifer destroy a pigeon with her mouth, but they didn't eat it. Like they, uh, she killed killed this pigeon bigger than shit. I mean, just like a like a dog, you know, when they just go to shake something. It's kind of what she did. Feathers everywhere. Um, then she spit it out and kind of bellered at it and hopped around it. And uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of the end of it. But I've never seen them try to eat a bug. So 
when, when you're creating this this uh, feed supplement or product from from these insects and feeding it to cattle or hogs, hogs would probably be okay. They're they're herbivores, but let's say you're you're putting it in in dairy feed, you're putting it in beef feed, and uh, you're feeding it to sheep, you know, goats, all all that all that type of shit. Horses even like, what's that gonna do? Like. Because their body's not designed to, as far as I know, to ingest that type of a protein profile. You know, they're they're herbivores, and they're 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 not carnivores. They're not they're not they're not omnivores. They they eat plants exclusively. That's what they do. So what what's that, what is that going to do to them? Like I I don't know, man. There seems like there should be a lot of a lot more research done into that before. Before that, there should be a huge push toward it. I, I don't know. That maybe that's just me being old fashioned, but yeah, I don't know. Don't make them eat shit that they're not supposed to eat. You know, there's leads to leads to issues. Look at all the fat fucks running around here because they uh, they decided high fructose corn syrup was a great idea, and eleven servings of grain was essential. <laughs> you know, is um. Yeah, shit gets weird when when you make something eat their uh eat a bunch of shit they're not supposed to. So, anyways, remember that for for future use and uh, have a good day. This has been the fucking farm report. You rise up in the morning. Beneath the stars so bright Pull your hat down Make sure your cinch is tight Horse is kinda snuffy Cold chill up your spine You'll get your ass Moving somewhere burning Till the job's done right